Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. Well, the phones are ringing once again, and Mother Angelica is answering the call from the classic TV shows of the 80s and 90s. I'm Doug Keck, along with my co-host and cohort here, our network chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Always great to see you, Father. And you too, Doug. And a common question I think that people wrestle with is, when does temptation become a sin? We experience temptation in this life. Well, when have I sinned? Or when have I maybe grown in virtue? Absolutely. And that'll be our third topic. First up, God has forgiven you, God's permitting will, and also discerning my vocation. Let's start with God has forgiven you. Well, is that a trouble mm-hmm. for people to, to accept that God has forgiven them? It often is, yes, especially if they've had a dark past, as this person says that they've had. And you know this story that uh, Mother told here? She told it often. And actually, Father Miguel on Divine Mercy Sunday at our Holy Hour, he told this story. Mm-hmm. And uh, he told it very beautifully of how Mother came to experience in this experience with the ocean the profundity of God's mercy. You know, so we cannot hope for a better past. The past is what it is. But what we can do is remedy it by putting it into God's mercy. Right, but the first thing we need to do is is realize that we have something that needs to be confessed, repented mm-hmm. of. Yes. But then rely on the mercy of God mm-hmm. because we ask for forgiveness. It doesn't mean you don't have to ask for forgiveness and God will just give you a blanket amnesty, right? Yes, to acknowledge it, to confess it. So anything that we are truly repentant for and we're resolved to overcome it in our life and anything that might lead us into that particular sin, when we come to that resolution and there's a certain compunction within us in our hearts and we bring that to the Lord, we can always uh, count on his mercy. Absolutely. And I know Father Spitzer will always say, if you're getting a voice telling you about how you're not living up to as good as you should be and you're really mm-hmm. a failure, that's not coming from the Lord. The evil one wants to discourage us. So anything that's beating us down, discouraging us, destroying our hope, that's from the evil one. It's yes. not from the Lord. Absolutely. Well, let's see what our own Mother Angelica has to say, talking about a question. God has forgiven you. We have another call. Hello? Mother? Yes. <clears throat> Hi, my name's Diane. Uh-huh. I'm from Arkansas, and I love your show. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I just, well, I guess my question is, how do you know what, whether you're being called to do something or not? Um, I have had, like, a lot of shame and guilt feelings from my past life of drugs and alcohol and sex and you name it, I've probably done it, And except I've gone to confession, and it seems like every time I go to confession, it's the same thing. It's like, it's like I feel so much shame, I can't receive the graces from God and everything, and sometimes I feel like I'm being called to maybe share my story with other people. Oh, I don't think you have to do that. Only God can forgive, and he has forgiven you. See, that's what I was talking about. The greatest gift we can give to God is the acceptance of his mercy. 
the little flower said that. She said if she had all the sins in the world on her soul, she would never lose hope. Because his mercy is infinite. I, I've told many this event. It wasn't a story. It's not a story. It's something that happened to me. And I'm going to repeat it because maybe it'll help you. I love the ocean. And uh, I was years and years ago in the, at the Pacific, in the, in the West Coast, and, and I had about an hour or so time between talks, and I went to the ocean. And I like to call the waves to me. And so I stood way back on the shore, and the waves were coming in, you know, and I stood there, and um, I, I, I said to the waves, come on, come on, come on. And they were just coming in, you know, how waves do. And so I sat there, I stood there, and I said, oh, come on, you can do better than that. Come on, come on. Well, all of a sudden, this wave got bigger and bigger, and I was petrified. I didn't think it would come, you know. <laughs> and it came, and everybody around me said, run, run. <laughs> I couldn't run because I was petrified. It was like I was in quicksand or something. And it came, I mean it came. And it came up to my knees. And I was soaking wet, just wet. And it gently went back. And the Lord, a little drop of that ocean fell on my hand. And it was beautiful. The sun was shining on it. And, and I looked at it and I thought to myself, I shouldn't have this. It's so beautiful. So I threw it back in the ocean. And the Lord said to me, Angelica, do you see that drop? I said, yes, Lord. He said, do you see the ocean? I said, yes, Lord. He said, that drop are all your sins and failings. And the ocean is my mercy. If you look for that drop, would you find it? I said, no, Lord. He said, then why do you keep looking? I learned a lot from that. And I'm asking you. The Lord has forgiven you. The past is gone. I know you feel unworthy, but that's a feeling. Also, a little pride on your part. You can't believe you did all these things. But we're all capable of doing many things. The Lord is saying to you tonight, if you look for those, could you find them? You have to say, no, Lord. I couldn't find them. Why do you keep looking? Why do you keep looking at yourself? You've had a great grace from the Lord, the grace of conversion. That's a great grace from God. It shows how much he loves you. And because he loves you, he forgave. Why do you keep bringing it up over and over and over? People who have abortions do that all the time. You've been forgiven by the Lord God 
who is God. He's not a creature that keeps bringing it back to you. We're talking about God. Moving on, we've got uh, a topic that Mother mm-hmm. talked about a lot, God's permitting will, right? It's an important distinction. Did God will this? Why is there evil in the world? Well, there are certain things that God permits only because he's going to bring a greater good out of it. And there are certain things that he has ordained. And so, in either way, his will is involved, right? Nothing's outside of his his perfect will. And so he either allows it only because he's going to bring some greater good out of it, or he ordains it, again, for our greater good. Well, I think people focus too much on God's will with bad things happen instead of man's will and free will, mm. because that's yeah. the gift that we're given that mm-hmm. we exploit either in a positive or negative way. Yeah, exactly. That That's where most evil comes from, right? From our fallen will. And so it's uh, we're the, that's the danger of having free human beings, but only free human beings can love, but they can also do evil, and that's the history of mankind. There are those who did great acts of love, of charity, those who did great acts of evil, and hopefully those who were living a life of evil turned around to eventually complete their life in charity and goodness. Well, I was very interested in this particular episode because there's a saint here. I'm not sure who he, who he is, but clearly <laughs> he's somebody I've modeled my life after who apparently has never taken a bath. Uh, are you familiar with him? I've heard Mother talk about it before. I'm not sure who this saint is, but he lived outdoors, so that, that's a good thing, right? But you know, there were saints like Padre Pio who experienced the stench of sin sometimes when people actually came to confession, and he heard hours and hours of them. And sometimes he actually picked up that stench of sin. So we know that the soul that's living uh, sinful life is more abhorrent to the Lord than someone who physically doesn't smell too good. Very good. With that, we'll leave it there. God's permitting will. Go, Mother. We have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother Angelica. Hey, where are you from? Michigan. Well, how old are you? How old are you? I'm 10. Good. What is your question? Um, I heard my mom and my dad talking about that plane crash. I thought people only died if it was their time to go. Is that right? I would think so. Why? So it was God's will? It's either his ordaining will or his permitting will. You have to make the difference, sweetheart. If somebody's gone down the street and they're love everybody and everybody loves them and all of a sudden a shot goes through the air and they're killed. That was not God's ordaining will. They, they died maybe ahead of their time, but it was his permitting will and they died even before their time, but God will make it up for them. Every injustice, every injustice that we suffer from the hands of men, God makes up in his kingdom. See? And so uh, everyone dies. It's bad, though. This, you see, we have a culture of death. That's what the Holy Father calls it. Because now people who suffer, they think they have a disease that might be painful. They have assisted suicide. What a terrible, 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 terrible thing it is. And that misdirected compassion again. Because I need the pains of old age. 
We need to be purified by God on this side of heaven. The church militant, that's what it's called. We're always in that struggle, in that battle. Before we enter the church suffering and the church triumphant. We don't die because we sinned unless we die without being repentant, you see. We call that the sin against the Holy Spirit. Our, late, our Lord answered that question for you. He said, don't think because these people all died when the silo fell on top of them that they were greater sinners than you are. Oh boy, he told them off, didn't he? Oh no. See, we know when we sin. That's why you got to live a repentant life all the time. Your entire life you have to say to Jesus every night before you go to bed. You must go to confession. You must clean. You must be clean. You take a bath every day. And you don't go to confession for 10 years. Does that make any sense? Walking around with a filthy soul and your body's clean. It'd be better the other way around. You know, if you walked around with a beautiful soul and a dirty body, that I think would be preferable before God. We were one of the greatest saints that ever lived. Whew, he never took a bath. I mean, he lived pretty, his holiness was awesome. But that was a penance, why he was very fastidious. I mean, he was too fussy. So he, 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 he did penance by never taking a bath. Well, I wouldn't want to live around him, but <laughs> he lived outside anyway. You know, I guess he knew, I, I guess he knew that he couldn't, nobody could take it. So he, he lived out in the woods somewhere. But it's a penance for him. But you know, most of us don't live that way. We don't want to either. We should give God the privilege of taking us when He wants us or when He permits us to die. See, there is God's permitting will. And that is our peace. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Keck on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us for part two of Mother Angelica answering the call. Doug Keck here with Father Joseph Mary Wolf, our EWTN chaplain. Next up, a topic Father mentioned early on. When does temptation become a sin? How about it, Father? You know, Mother enjoyed uh, children's calls in a particular way. She always kind of lit up and ask their questions, which are important questions. And this is an important question that here an eight-year-old is wanting to know the distinction. You know, I've heard many children's confessions, and they don't say, even at their first confession, I don't know what to confess. No, they have a conscience. When they reach the age of reason, they come to understand, yeah, maybe I could have been more obedient, or maybe I could have treated my brothers or sisters better. And so uh, that's something that when our conscience is formed, that we come to be able to discern 
um, when we've sinned. And that's what's so important uh, for proper parenting for you as a, as a Catholic parent to, to be mm-hmm. able to form right. that child so that they mm-hmm. see it. But modeling it is even the most important <laughs> thing, to be able to see how you interact with your other children or, or mm-hmm. a, a husband and wife interact. I thought it was interesting, too, that this woman, she tells a story about this lady mentioning mm-hmm. for some reason proudly that her child had stolen a candy bar. I, don't, what, yeah. I was wondering, was she feeling guilty and wanted mother to give her absolute? I don't know. It's like she almost found it charming to see her child doing this and mother's pointing out, no, of course, you've got to teach them virtue. You've got to give them some discipline or the next step's going to be worse. And so teaching them the distinction between what is right, what is wrong, what we are to morally do and morally avoid. And I think what we know with venial sins leading to mortal sins, that uh, the small stuff will get you ultimately. Mm -hmm. And it's going to lead to greater things. And so learning to, as children, even in the little things, to live virtuously. Absolutely. Let's see what Mother has to say. We have a call. Hello? Hi, Mother. Where are you from? I'm from Carlock, Illinois, and I'm eight years old. You're eight? Wonderful. And and, and what is your question? Uh, How do you know when a temptation becomes a sin? How do you know when a temptation becomes a sin? That's your question? Yeah. When you give in to it. I don't know what you could give in to. I'm having a hard time with I'm glad you called, but I don't know. What can eight years old do? Um, say, for example, your mother asked you to do something, and uh, you looked at her, and you, you stamped your feet, and you said, no. Or... You went to your, uh, with your mother to the grocery store and uh, you, you stole two candy bars. Your mother didn't see you, the cashier didn't see you, and so you got home and you uh, ate the candy bars. The temptation was, I want a candy bar, but it didn't end there. The temptation was, take it. Your mind said, no, I should do that. My mother will be uh, very, very angry. And it's just a little thing, but I can stay. I can take it. Look how many candy bars in this store. They're not going to miss a couple candy bars. Sin. Now you people out there having a fit. Mother said, an eight-year-old can commit and say, you're right. I didn't. And you can don't give me this stuff, eight-year-olds can't commit sin. If she could steal, then she could commit sin. So you see, honey, the, the difference is, now, if you run through the grocery store, you say, oh, I want a candy bar. So, Mom, can I have a candy bar? No. Okay. You still want the candy bar, but you didn't give in. We call that virtue. It means what I wanted, I know I couldn't take unlawfully. Now, some of you parents make a big mistake here. I had a, a parent come to me one time. It was just kind of, it wasn't, she was here for some other reason. And she said, oh, the funniest thing happened the other day. She said, my kid stole a candy bar. I thought it was hysterical. I said, did he return it? Of course not. I said, you should go back and pay for it. I'm not going to say my kid uh, I stole a candy bar. But you just taught your kid how to steal, and you approved. 
you thought it was funny. Next time he'll steal a car. See how funny that is. You see, mother's a disciplinarian. You're right. <laughs> you gotta be a disciplinarian. You just can't do what you want to do. Not even dogs do that. You must always know, what does Jesus want me to do? The temptation is not a sin. I want to repeat that. Temptation is not a sin. It's when you give in to it. That's why we have confession. That's why we all, from eight years old, seven years old, we need to go to confession. We need to get rid of this load we carry. Because the enemy, ah, not the enemy again, since we're talking about what he does, the first thing the enemy said, oh, that man, that priest knows who you are. He knows your voice. You're not going to go tell him what you just did last night? Are you crazy? Besides, everybody's doing it. Why are you so different? Oh, did you ever hear that? Up here? The enemy. Say, no, I'm not different. I want to be different. This is wrong. I must go to confession. And wrapping up this program, we have a question. Discerning my vocation. Mm-hmm. How was it for you, Father? It took me a while. <laughs> Some know when they're very young that they're called to be a priest or religious. is very strong, like Father Groeschel, Father mm-hmm. Anthony. For me, it was more of a wrestling with that uh, question. Well, you were a wrestler anyway, right? <laughs> I was a wrestler. And I wrestled with this for mm-hmm. quite a while. But then it became quite clear with prayer and talking to others and different confirmations that the Lord gave me. You know, in religious life, we have a kind of a joke about those who like are just going on and on with discernment, and we call them, they're looking for the order of perpetual discernment, right? Mm-hmm. There does come a point where you have to act. You've got to take some steps, and Mother's saying, you know, you need to call, you need to test the waters, and then uh, the Lord's going to make it clear to you. Right, perpetual students, you see, sometimes <laughs> are going for another degree that doesn't do anything for them. Mm-hmm. And, and just the idea, I thought this was interesting, Mother talks about young women she's dealt with over the years who who their whole life mm-hmm. wanted to be a sister, but when they went to live the religious life, they couldn't do it. And that was how they discerned. And that's a good thing. Just because it didn't work out doesn't mean it's a bad thing. No, they took the step. They realized, no, this is not for me. And so the Lord showed me more clearly what my vocation is. It's not this. Absolutely. Important to know how to discern your vocation. Mother Angelica. We have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Where are you from? Tewet, Wyoming. And what is your question? Um, Mother, I was wondering, what is the best way to discern my vocation to the priesthood? Well, the best way to discern your vocation to the priesthood is, do you want to be a priest? Do you feel called? That's important. We are called to be priests. We are called to be religious. We are called to be married. We are called to be single. We are called by God. If you feel called by God to be a priest, you feel that very strongly, then you need to make every effort to be one. You need to make up your mind. Do you want to be an order priest? And what kind of an order, Franciscan? Do you want to be a hermit? Do you want to be a trappist? Do you want to be a diocesan priest? 
what kind of priest do you want to be? If you want to be a diocesan priest, then the first thing you do is go to the chancery and find out. But a priesthood is a call. I know many girls that wanted, always wanted to be religious, but when they live religious life, they can't, they can't take it. So they're not called. But whatever call you have, you're called to holiness for sure. Everybody is. Married, single, priest, religious, we're all called to be holy. So I would think if you discerned, are you called? If you are, then you got to take the next step. And as you go along, you'll, you'll know whether you're called by God or not. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.